thank you for being here. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Well, there's a lot more than two or three that are gathered here today. So he is here with us. Amen. Amen. Uh, now be praying. We've got an elder board meeting today uh, to kind of review what the Lord has done for us this past year and to project some things that are coming up for this year. Uh, one thing that I'm excited about, Kate uh, announced the, the marriage retreat that we're going to do. Now, we just did a ladies retreat. We got a marriage retreat. What I'm excited about, uh, as we've been moving along this uh, uh, methodology the Lord gave us early on of gather, grow, go. We're, we're, we're accomplishing the mission of gathering church, which is to know him and make him known. And, and we're accomplishing this by we, we gather, we grow, we go. Uh, it's, it's every year that organically kind of fleshes out all the more, right? And so leading up to, um, you know, this year, this, this is really kind of what, neat, what, what is neat with the vision that the Lord has given us for this year. Between the top of the year and by the end of June, every aspect of the family will have had something, some kind of major event uh, invested in them. We had, we had a women's retreat uh, just last week. Uh, we've got a, a, a marriage retreat coming up because we want to invest in marriages and homes and strengthen the foundation of the home. Uh, we've got uh, a men's retreat, men that are going to be coming up. So y'all get ready. Uh, the women aren't gonna, the only ones getting to have all the fun. We're going to have a, we're going to have a men's retreat. Uh, We've got uh, a, an in-town missions journey that Becca just talked about for GCV youth, for the teenagers. Uh, top of June, we've got vacation Bible school for, for our children and the children of this community. And, and also, we're, we're looking into right now youth camps. Uh, it's been a couple of years since uh, GCV youth has been able to go to youth camp because of COVID. So we're researching some safe possibilities uh, for youth camp. So that's still a possibility. So by the time we wrap up June, every aspect of the family, from women, men, children's, youth, marriages, will have had something invested in them. And so for the first six months, it's as if the Lord has us pouring into the flock. And then from the end of June to the end of the year, it's pretty heavy with, even though we have a monthly missions uh, uh, initiative, typically, uh, 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 but but it becomes even heavier. Uh, we, we have a lot more that wind up getting scheduled from really starting from uh, the 4th of July celebration, the, the Celebrate Freedom that we always do here uh, with, the, with the HOA, all the way up through uh, Christmas Eve with our candlelight service. Uh, so it's almost as if the first six months of the year, he, he has us pouring into each other, and the last six months of the year, he has us pouring heavily out taking everything that we fed and, and, and ate on, uh, just taking it out to our community. And so that's exciting to me. Amen? Amen? Hey, I'll drink to that. So hang on. I have to excuse me. Uh, make me earn my pay today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, discipleship. Being a disciple. And what's... You know, the, the, the neat thing about it, and we're, uh, David Lamprecht and I were, were chatting about it. He's going to help me, uh, he's going to help me preach some of this stuff over the coming weeks about discipleship. Um, you know, we, the, the, at the top of the year, 
we studied about consecration. We started the year out talking about uh, living the consecrated life. What does that look like? Uh, the next thing the Lord wanted us to talk about is uh, being a disciple. And the last two weeks with our guest speakers, uh, Anna Spiegel preached a sermon that was a perfect bridge of consecrating your life and moving into discipleship. Uh, last week, Kevin and Shekinah Schwartz were here to minister. Kevin got up and, and basically preached about three weeks worth of uh, you know, the messages we have planned uh, within about you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, and, and so it, it reiterated to me that, hey, we're on the right track. We're hearing from the Lord. The Lord is speaking uh, these things to us. So we want to talk about discipleship. What does the word disciple mean? Um, we hear it a lot in the New Testament church. We hear it a lot in church. And so you know, a lot of times we think, hey, I'm a good disciple of the Lord. I believe in Jesus. That's number one. And hey, I'm pretty faithful with my church attendance. I do some Bible study. And hey, you know, I attended Sunday school when I needed to. Pretty good discipleship. Or we, we look at making disciples, you know, make disciples of the world. That means, well, hey, we got to get folks to start coming to church and, and plug them into the right Bible study. We even have classes, you know, a lot of churches will have classes called discipleship classes. Come, come on with me to Sunday morning so you can hear my preacher preach and, and beforehand go to this discipleship class. You know, we, we, that was kind of a routine that many churches were. And really we were missing the mark on what true discipleship means. I, I believe that the biggest thing that is missing in the body of Christ today is, is the dominance and an influx of true disciples of Christ. We got a lot of people going to heaven, folks that have faith in Christ, but we don't necessarily have a lot of disciples. Discipleship goes far beyond having faith in Christ and church attendance. Those things are important. We got to have faith in Christ for just for salvation's sake. And church attendance is good because it builds us up. We need community. We need fellowship. But that's not discipleship. So what is discipleship? Let's take a look at, in the Greek, what the word disciple means. Uh, Methetus. Methetus. It means, it doesn't just mean a student or a pupil. It means imitator. To imitate someone. A follower. A learner. Notice Jesus, what was the one, the, the one thing he always said to people when he'd meet them? Follow me. Follow me. He didn't say, hey, learn from me, take notes from me, although I'm sure they did that, but it was a follow, follow me. So it means an imitator, a follower, a learner, adherent. I like that word adherent. It doesn't just mean to adhere to something as if you, you follow a set of rules, it means to stick to something as well, you know, to adhere to. Partisan. We always hear that when it comes to politics, partisan politics. But it just means that you side with something. You know, if there's a, a certain sports team that you enjoy rooting for the most, well, you're going to be partisan to that team, right? It's like most of you who grew up in this area know there's just... It's a rare day you can root for the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Because we are partisan. 
to the Cowboys. They're one of our nemesis. It's a rare day you can root for, what are they called, Mark? You seen that? Washington Commanders. Washington Command. Can you believe it? Washington Commanders is what they're called now. That they're still, you're going to call them Washington Commanders, and the colors are red and yellow, red and gold. It's the Washington Commies. I'm sorry, that's what it is. I'm just going to tell you right now. Don't root for the Commies. Root for America's team. Cowboys. See, I'm partisan. <laughs> Any Washington fans out there, I love you. Methetus. Imitator, follower, learner, adherent, partisan. Let's get into the word, shall we? John chapter 8. Say amen if you're with me. Amen. All right. I still got some of you. That's good. John chapter 8, starting with verse 31. So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed. So now, ooh, these Jews have believed. That's important, right? Well, look what he told them. The Jews that had believed, he didn't necessarily consider them disciples yet. He said, Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, it means to hold fast to my teachings and to live in accordance with them. So if, if, you, if you hang right here with everything I'm saying, he said, and, and, and you make this your lifestyle, then you will truly, you are truly my methetus, my disciples. So if you'll just do what I've said to do in my word, then you'll be my imitator, my follower, my partisan, my learner. Because we're always learning. So in order to be a disciple, it starts with what? Doing what he said to do, right? Well, you can't know what he said to do unless you start getting into the word, which is what we've really been promoting here. If you're not doing the one-year Bible, find something. Find something to get into on a daily basis. 20 minutes. Take 20 minutes. I double-dog dare you. Get into the word every day. Then you will be my disciples. Now, once you become an imitator, learner, follower, partisan, adherent, then you will know the truth Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And the truth will set you free. So if you want to know true freedom, it comes by knowing the truth, right? Now here's, I want to make an observation. We have thousands of Christians in existence today who have faith in Christ. Praise God for that. But are we really, truly living free? Do we still excessively struggle with anxiety? Do we still excessively struggle with addictions? Do we excessively struggle with uh, depression, anger, fear? Then you're really not free. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that you're not on your way to heaven. But are you really living free? Well, no, I can't be free because I'm still dealing with this stuff. I'm still struggling. I'm still in this situation. That's the problem. We interpret freedom as actually uh, deliverance from something. Lord, I need you to set me free from this circumstance. And we want God, we think that healing and freedom means that God's delivering us from it. But often freedom means that you are, you are free from it. 
but you may be right in the middle of it still. You're just free from it. I want to give you an example. Many of you know uh, Gail Crouch, who attend, usually when she attends, she sits right over here uh, in her early 80s. And uh, her, her cancer recently came back. And so one day after uh, my sermon, I hopped down there. She came over to give me a hug. I assumed she wanted prayer. I started praying for her, and she stopped me because I'm praying for, for the Lord to heal her. That's my default, okay? If you don't want to be, if you don't want to be prayed for for healing, don't come let me pray for you because <laughs> that's my default. Now, healing sometimes takes a, a, a different path than what we want. And, and apparently the cancer is quite aggressive. And as I was praying for her, she stopped me, not out of disrespect. But she said, oh, no, 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 Pastor, don't, no, no, no. She said, don't, you don't have to pray that over me. I said, I know I don't have to. Well, I want to. And she goes, no, 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 no. She said, you don't understand. And she had the biggest glow on her face, the biggest smile. She goes, I can't. And this was like one of the first weeks of the, of the year. Now, she's not waving the white flag. She just said, no, you don't understand. You don't know what joy and peace I'm encountering, knowing that unless God chooses otherwise, I'm going to be with him this year. Lord, give me that kind of faith. Whoo! That woman is free. She looked freer than me. You know? She looked less anxiety than I have. <laughs> what a powerful statement. That's freedom. Freedom means it doesn't matter what you're facing. You know? She may have cancer, but cancer doesn't have her. Woo! That's free. That's freedom. Freedom is no matter what you face in this world, you're going to face stuff. But it doesn't have to have you. You may have problems, but the problems don't have you. That's freedom. In order to have that kind of freedom, it's because you're going to have to know truth. Well, he is the truth. If you're going to know Christ, and I don't mean know him in a religious experience or in churchanity or the way the preacher preaches about him at church, but I mean know him like you know your best friend, like you know your spouse, like you know your child. Know him. If you're going to know truth and experience that freedom, you got to be a disciple or a methodist, a follower imitator, an adherent, a learner, just attending church, just believing in Jesus. Jesus even said, too, he said, look, the, the demons believe, you know, the demons believe in me. I'm not doing them a lot of good. Lord, help us to be disciples. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, Okay. Now, uh, so moving forward, this is kind of what we're, this is the, the mindset I want you to get. When we say disciple, a disciple of Christ, let's just kind of define it as this, a follower imitator of Christ who is actively engaged in developing full life submission to the authority or lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to put authority there because oftentimes here in America, we don't understand lordship. 
we, we don't have a lot of concept of having a king over us, a king or a queen over us, right? As other, other countries in Europe may, may understand that concept. You know, we're very independent. You know, our old nation was, was, was founded on the whole, we reject the notion, man, we're Americans, we can do what we want. Can't nobody tell me what to do. I am American. I have rights. But in reality, to submit to lordship or authority, really the key is, the key to discipleship is this. You give up your rights. You no longer have rights. You submit your authority. But you gain authority. He who loses his life gains it, Jesus said. What does he mean? You, you, you give up your life. You give up your authority, your rights. And you say, Lord, every part of my life, I just give it to you. And you fill me in. You lead me. You help me to understand. I want to, I don't want to deal with this circumstance the way I would deal with it. I want to deal with it the way that you're going to teach me how you would see fit to deal with the circumstance. I want to imitate you. It goes beyond the old saying of what would Jesus do? I've got to know what did Jesus say? <laughs> because if I can know what he said, I can understand what he would do. So then I can become a, a David flavored version of Jesus in every situation. But I've got to learn to give up my authority and say, Lord, it's not what I want, but it's show me what you want for this. Show me the path to take. It's not a matter of losing free will, but it's a matter of gaining incredible authority. And now, what, are, what do I mean by that? Well, this is, this is a discipleship. If you can take anything away from it today, discipleship is an authority transfer. You submit your authority but you gain his authority, okay? Jesus said as much. Matthew chapter 29. Everyone still with me? All right, all right, all right. Follow along. Matthew 29. Jesus, after his resurrection, prior to his ascension, he called one official meeting. Now, he showed up all over the place, but he actually called one official meeting. And you, the reason why we know it had to have been one official organized meeting is there's three different type of people invited to this meeting, okay? One is the 11 disciples were part of this meeting, right? One in 12 because one of them had killed himself, Judas, right? So 11 disciples were there. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us there were also 500 more brethren that were there. At least 500 more brethren. Well, in order to get 500 people together, it's got to be an official meeting of some sort, right? With an invitation. So those were the first two people that were invited to this meeting. Then the third people that were invited to this meeting is actually us. That's why he made sure it was recorded and written down so that we would get the memo of what he had to say. Because he said the words... He concluded with, hey, the words I'm speaking are good until the end of the age. Well, the end of the age hasn't taken place yet. So that means that whatever he said in this passage is still good for us. So we're getting, we're getting the, the memo today from it. 
And this is what happened, right? Let's, let's go ahead and read it. And when they saw him, they fell down and worshiped him. But some doubted. Jesus approached and breaking the silence said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the first thing that happened when they saw him was they worshiped him. Now, worshiping is you giving God praise and thanks for what he has done in your life, who he is currently in your life, and what you believe he's going to do in your life. So at all times, you can be in the mode of praise. Say, well, I need to praise God. What do I praise God about? Well, pick from one of those categories. What has he done for you in the past? And praise him for it. What is he doing for you right now? Praise him for it. Or if you can't think of that, Think of something that you believe and trust he's going to do for you in the future and praise him for it. In other words, you can find all things in your life are worthy of praise, praising God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So we ought to be praisers. We ought to be worshipers if we're going to be disciples, right? It said that some of them, they, they said that some of them doubted him. But no, it's interesting because the doubt didn't keep them away. If you're doubting some things in your life, don't let it keep, keep you away from the Lord. Don't let it keep you away from what he has in store for you. Don't let it keep you away from church. I don't know about this stuff. I don't know. I got to check it out. It's all right to doubt sometimes. It means it shows a struggle within faith. And faith is a, is a fight for sympathy. Fight the good fight of faith. So that means that you're going to have spells in your life that, that you doubt. These guys didn't let it keep them away. And then Jesus, finally, he broke the silence. It's a little awkward. He was supposed to be dead. They had buried him in a tomb. And now here he is alive again. So he breaks the silence and he says this. Basically what he says is, I am in charge now fully. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, all authority, all power, I am in charge in heaven and on earth. I'm in charge of it all, all authority and power. That's why don't get caught up and lose sleep over political rants and raving. You know, sometimes you got to turn off, turn off the TV, turn, turn off the internet. You know, you can only watch so much of that stuff. You'll start getting your getting your nerves all up and roar, you know. These people have authority. No, the only authority that's given out ultimately comes from Christ himself. It's all authority comes from him. Now, this word authority that he uses is actually really interesting. It's called, in the Greek, it's exousia. And it means power in legitimate hands. Power in legitimate hands. He said, all exousia has been given to me. Power in legitimate hands. It's the same thing as if, if, if a criminal burst in this door with a gun. He's got firepower, doesn't he? But then if some Arlington PD busted in this door and they had guns, well, they got power because they've got, but it's in the proper hands because they've got the badge, right? 
And so he's saying, I have appropriate authority. My authority is legit. My power is legit. Why? Because he had the stamp of the Father, the stamp of the Father approval on him. So he's saying, all appropriate authority comes from me from now on. That's pretty wild, right? Then notice what he says. Go then and make imitators. Remember, make methetuses, imitators, followers, learners, partisans, adherents of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to do what I said to do. <laughs> and behold, I'm with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and, eat, and on every occasion to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. So let it be. So he gets up and he says, I have appropriate authority. Now, you guys go make more of me. That's what he's saying. Go make more me. In order to make more me, you've got to be me. You've got to be an imitator. Are we, I want you to ask yourself this. You don't have to answer out loud. Are you truly imitating Jesus in every aspect of your life? I don't mean conjuring up images of the old movie from the late 70s, Jesus of Nazareth. I can't even remember the actor's name. Remember? You know what actor? Anyone remember the name of the actor? I don't remember. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Jim Caviezel? Yeah, Jim Caviezel. Is that, well, no, that's from, uh, that's Passion of the Christ. I'm talking about, as a kid, every time I'd say, you know, someone would say, be like Jesus. I always thought of, you know, in the late 70s, they'd always show every Easter, they would show Jesus of Nazareth. And he had blue eyes, Everybody else, what's that? Yes, oh, there he is, Robert Powell. Robert Powell. And that poor guy had a tapeworm. He was so skinny, man. But he always, you know, he had the perfect, you know, as a child, that's what I always thought of Jesus, because that's the one I always saw on TV growing up, right? Robert Powell. Blue eyes, and he just always had that, you know, supposed to be, Supposed to be 30 years old, looked like he was 55, right? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, that's the wisest looking 30-year-old Jesus I've ever seen. And everywhere he looked, he just looked so, so. No, we're not talking about that, okay? We're talking about, are you imitating? Jesus is the word of God. So everything you can read from the word of God comes, it's him. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh. Are we imitating his word in all aspects of our life? When we have a disagreement with our spouse, are we disagreeing in a way that would still be fruitful when we line it up against the word? When we're having to deal with our kids, are we doing so in a godly way that would line up with our... Are we, are we imitating the word? Because that's, in essence, that's what discipleship, if you strip it all away, that's what it means. 
It was huge. Not only to the Hebrews did they see it this way, but also to the Greeks. It was more than just being a pupil. You didn't just show up to class and have somebody lecture you and you took notes and you studied for a test. It was a lifestyle. It was, they would leave what they were doing and go study under a rabbi or the Greeks, they may study under a philosopher teacher and, and they would almost, they would almost live with him and, and they would watch his mannerisms not only how did he study, how did he talk, but how did he walk through the marketplace? How did he prepare his food? How did he move? How did he interact with people? Everything about the, the person. Because for the rabbi, it was a matter of, I need to replicate myself. I've got knowledge. I've got ministry. I need to replicate myself so that when the time comes that I pass away, I've left myself here on earth. And if I'm really good about it, I've left it in multiple people so that there's much more of me here on earth than there was whenever I first arrived. That's the mindset. We're going to learn when, when David preaches here, uh, 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 possibly next week. We haven't, we haven't talked, so see, we're on the fly right now. You're, you're seeing some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, but when he preaches, he's going to let you know what it meant to these disciples for Jesus to say, come be my disciple, it meant the world to them. Why? Because they'd been rejected. Rejected by who? Well, I'll let him get into all that. It's, it's an incredible, fascinating study. But it lets you know how huge it is for Jesus to look at all of you and look at me and say, hey, be my disciples. And by disciples, he didn't, he did, he's not saying, show up to church and go to Sunday school and read a couple of devotionals. He means walk like I walk, talk like I talk, eat like I eat, love like I love, respond like I respond, feel compassion, let your heart hurt for those who need me, love those who nobody else wants to love, accept those that everybody else rejects. It becomes a whole life change. And then he says, I have all authority. And if you'll give me all your authority, I give you mine. That's the exchange of authority within discipleship. Does it make sense? What does it mean to operate under his authority or someone else's authority? I'll give you like, I'll give you a really lame example, but it helps. Okay. We just had the women's retreat, and a bunch of the ladies went out to Seven R Ranch. Seven R Ranch is an 8,000-square-foot ranch. Well, it used to be a ranch. Uh, the family that originally owned it sold it off for developers to come through and said, hey, start developing. We don't really use it anymore. It's generations old. Let other people enjoy this beautiful area out here near Gordon, Texas. And so they did. Well, all the folks that started building houses started wanting different amenities, but they didn't want their HOA dues or POA dues to go up. So the developer said, hey, let's, if you'll let us up on top of the big hill, we're going to build a small hotel, we'll put a restaurant there and a little campground, and we'll sell memberships where folks can come buy membership and, uh, you know, they, they can enjoy, and, and then we'll use their membership costs to offset and help build these amenities and keep your HOA dues low, right? So they've called it the Sundance Club, uh, to which I have membership. And that's a whole other miracle story in itself. 
that the Lord provided uh, about eight years ago. So it's my little personal getaway. And, and my girls have grown up. We'll, we call it the ranch. We go, oh, let's get out to the ranch. And we go out there, and Miss Regina Blankenship, who's one of the chefs, the girls will say, I need a Regina burger. She makes the best burgers. So I, I, we take them out there, and we Regina burgers, and we can, you know, we can go camp, or we can... It's just a, it's a, it's a neat place, beautiful place. And so, but I have membership, which means I go in, I've got my own code, I go in, I have all authority to use everything that's out there, right? Now, if you guys say, ooh, well, I want to go out there. Where's it at? For lunch, I'm going to head out there and get me a Regina burger. Well, you can't because you don't have membership. So the ladies got to go experience uh, this neat place because I was there with them. So they actually got to go in as my guests under my authority of membership, right? Now, they could not get in without me. I had to be there. Matter of fact, I had to make sure I was on the premises. If I wanted to go back in town and just, just get away for a little bit, that's a no-no. The ladies could be there as long as my presence was there. And now once they were there, they were under my umbrella. They didn't have membership, but they enjoyed all the accommodations that membership could. They got to eat at the restaurant. We were at the rec center at one point. We were down at the lake house for a bit. They got to go enjoy the little lake area. They got to look at the scenery, all the stuff that, the, that this place, if they wanted to, had we had time, there was horseback riding out there, all that type of stuff. Under, as long as I'm there and they're under the authority of my membership. They got to walk around as if they, as if they were members. That's how discipleship is. I know it's kind of a relic because it makes it sound like I'm a whole lot more important than re really what I was out there. I just got everyone access <laughs> to this place, right? Uh, that's, that's the relevance of discipleship. You submit your authority, and he says, ah, now you get to operate under my authority. And now we have the authority to operate just like him and to make more of him. So moving forward, that's what we're going to be studying about. Let's all stand. We're going to be, we're going to be studying about discipleship. It doesn't mean a churchgoer. It doesn't mean just a believer in Christ. It means someone who is imitating Christ in every area of their life. It doesn't mean you get it right every single day, but you get back up and you try it again. So here's my question to all of us, and I ask myself this. Am I imitating Christ? Because we've been given a great commission. This is what's called the great commission, right? There are five commissions in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts all have a commission. This one is called the great commission because it's the only commission where we are commanded to make Methodists, imitators. How do we do that? What does that look like? We'll talk about it in the coming weeks. But at its core, it's this. Am I, am I imitating Jesus well enough? And I don't mean walk around like the guys in the movies. 
Or even the guy in uh, The Chosen. I don't know if y'all watched The Chosen yet. Or Erica and I are working our way. We're on season two. So I really like his interpretation of Jesus. It's really fun. He's doing a good job. But I don't, it doesn't mean for me to walk around and act like him. But am I reflecting Jesus enough and imitating Jesus enough so that when someone starts hanging out with me, they'll know what to do and they'll know how to imitate Jesus? Because at its essence, at its essence, that's what the Apostle Paul said. This is the perfect way to make disciples right here. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Pattern yourselves after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ, the Messiah. How do you make disciples? By observing him, and normally you're going to observe him through someone else, and then inviting people to follow you as you follow him. For those of you who have watched The Chosen, they're, they're one of my favorite lines from season one, was after Jesus said, he looked at Simon and Andrew, brothers, you know, Simon eventually becomes Peter, but he says, you know, and he just got through doing the miracle where, where he just loaded their boat down with fish. And he tells them, follow me. And he says, you think this is awesome? I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men. And so like for the next few days, these two brothers are like, I don't even know what that means. What does it mean to become a fisher of men? And of course, Jesus is talking about, hey, you're going you're gonna to learn to make disciples. You're going to learn to make other followers of me. And Andrew said one of the coolest things. And I was like, oh, he's preaching my sermon. You know, I, I wish I could have ripped it off the streaming and just like showed it to you guys up here. He said, Andrew goes, hey, you remember when our dad taught us how to fish? And Simon said, dad didn't teach us how to fish. I mean, he took us out there. And he just started fishing. He didn't instruct us one bit. And he goes, yeah, but we watched him forever. And then came time for us to fish. And we started fishing. We made mistakes, but we figured it out. And we started fishing. But we figured it out because we watched dad. Genius. And what he was saying is, I don't know, Simon, we're just going to watch Jesus. And we're going to figure this out. I, I would love to give you some kind of a, a template but one size doesn't fit all when it comes to human beings because God chose to make us all different. But if there's a very basic rough template, it's this right here. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So that begs the question for me to ask myself and for everyone to ask yourself. Are you imitating Christ enough that it warrants someone else becoming an imitator of you. Father, I thank you. Help us to be disciples, Lord. Forgive me for the years that I've just been a religious zealot, but really not a true disciple. Help me to just imitate you in everything, everything that I do. So that those who live around me, who walk with me, who do life with me, can know better how to imitate you. Help me to be a disciple so that I can also make disciples. And we thank you. Amen.